You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. If you haven't been with us throughout this series, I encourage you to listen to it. It's just five things that we shared that we believe are fundamental. When we started this series, the idea was to, our prayer was to, to share character quality, qualities that would set you up to succeed in 2022. I don't know about you, but when, when November hits, I'm thinking about, you know, what, what's God, God's vision for our lives, for my family, for this church, for the next year? And I begin to take inventory, especially toward Thanksgiving time, right? It's a time where you count your blessings and you begin to think about uh, uh, what God has done. And so this series is supposed to go along with that, for you to think about your life and think about some character qualities that you can develop, that you can hold on to for the new year. So especially because of the noise, there's so much do- noise in, 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 in this world that it's, it's hard for us to not get sucked in into whatever is the latest headline, right? You have that little device in your pocket that keeps buzzing and, and sending you things. Uh, um, it, it's hard for you not to focus. So we have, we have about 30 minutes, 45 minutes together where we can think and, 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 you know, if you count the worship about an hour every week where we can just shut off the world. And so the idea is that we can think about these things. And if you stop and you think about the first thing we shared, right, opening our heart to godliness, you will see that the culture and the world that's constantly trying to shape you, that's constantly trying to press their ways on you, it doesn't have to be like that. In fact, you can be an agent of change in the world. You can be an agent of change in your family. You can be an agent of change uh, in your place of work. If you stop to think about the second thing we shared, the value of genuineness, that is more important for you to be who God has called you to be instead of trying to fit in and be one person at home and be whoever people want you to be at school or whoever people want you to be at work and and end up losing yourself in the process. But that's not, that's not who God made you to be. Like, that's not what God called you to do, that, that it's important for you to hone into uh, who God has called you to do. If you, if you silence the voices of entitlement, and you think about the third thing we share, gratitude, you will notice that you will have a great uh, sort process, process of just figuring out, and it's selection process to evaluate your decisions, to evaluate what you've done, to evaluate what you've been through, and set your, your life for a bright future, because that's what gratitude does, right? And if you allow God to come in to those places in your life, like we shared last week, those places that are upside down, those places that are not quite right, and you allow Jesus to just flip some tables and change things the way that, back to the way that they're supposed to be, or restore things, maybe things that were never right in your life, you will, you will discover this deep well of gladness, where the joy of the Lord, the joy that God has for you, will sustain you in the highs and in the lows of life. And we're all going to go through highs and lows. We're all going to lose family members. We're all going to go through the valley of the shadow of death. Right? We're all going to have disappointments at work, in our careers, in relationships. And it's important for us to have a deep well of strength within us. So today I want to close with another character quality, another fundamental quality that comes from a life of God, and it's active for the real world, right? But before I mention what it is, it's very important. I just, I just want to start with an important question, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come in hot, okay? 
me high. What are you living for? Have you thought about that question lately? What are you living for? Now, I don't want you to answer out loud, but when you answer in your heart, when you answer in your mind, don't answer the thing that represents the ideal that you have. Right? Don't, don't, don't answer the dream, what you hope you, you would live for. What are you actually living for? If you look at your decisions, if you look at how you're spending your resources, if you look at how you're spending your time, what are you actually living for? What are you, if you take inventory of your desires, like what kind of desires do you have in your heart? Are your desires pure? Or are your desires not so pure? Are you living selfishly or are you living considering others? Are you spending your time wisely? I think this message is important and it's going to be a message where I think I might push some buttons today and I do this in love. But I'm not going to do that out of my own, you know, convictions. It's, I'm going to pull scriptures, so I'm going, to, I'm going to go through some scriptures today. And if you're not familiar with the scriptures, I'm going to have them on the screen. But today is one of those days where I'm just going to, I, I just want to take you back to the source of what we're talking about. Just so you can analyze some of those behaviors and where you're pointing your life, where you're directing your life. Because sometimes we get on autopilot. And we justify being on autopilot by saying, oh, I'm, not, I'm not where I should be, so I, I don't really have to be the best that I can be. Because once I get there, then, you know, you, you know how we do that? Like in your head, it sounds like something like this. Like I don't have to be my best or do the things that I know I'm supposed to do because I'm not in the position to do that yet. I'm working to get there. So when I get there, I'll be that person. In other words, like when I get married, then I'll be faithful. Then I'll think about fidelity. Right now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to live with a little bit of freedom. When I have a solid career, when, when things start picking up, then I'll think about savings. But right now, I don't have to think about that. When I have kids, then I'll, I'll be more responsible. Right, right now, I can take some risks and... I don't have to think about that so much. When, when I get there, then I'll be that. Right, how about this one? I'm still healthy, so I don't have to act healthy or eat healthy. Why do we do that? I think we all do that to some extent. Why do we do that? Why do we so often settle for less? Why do we so often think that if we... If we fall short of our most ideal life, if we debase the most ideal target in, in life, that somehow we're going to still get there. Can compromise build the life that you dream of? Has compromise ever gotten you to the place you aimed at? There's one area in our lives, there are many areas that this applies to, but there's one area in our lives that's more important than we give it credit to. Because it informs every interaction we have. You typically think about this area in one way, but it, it, it actually affects every single thing in our lives. 
And today is what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the fundamental of generosity. And I have a lot of notes, so I'm going to try to get through them, all of them. I'm watching the clock because I don't want to keep you here too long. And, and, and I'm going to try to get through all of it. Hopefully, I will be able to. If not, you know, I'll, I'll email it to you. <laughs> See, most of us, when we think of the word generous, for some reason, we think that it's something beyond normal. The generosity comes off the top. That normal, normally, uh, a generosity is not something that applies to everyday life. Generosity is for a certain particular group of people. That being generous means you have to go past whatever is expected, whatever level we're at, and, and it's to go above and beyond. And I want to help you rethink the meaning of generosity in your life because it's going to better your relationships, it's going to better uh, your professional life, it's going to better your marriage, it's going to better your, every aspect of your life. See, generosity is not an extra quality. It's not a privileged of a few or a privilege of those who have resources. In fact, generosity is not about what you have at all. Generosity is about who you are. Jesus once said this. He was asked this question. Matthew chapter 22, 36 through 40. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second like it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now, this is one of those passages that we always remind you of because it's important. If Jesus said that this is the, and everything else depends on it, we have to listen and pay attention to it, right? But what he's saying is a life with God is about loving him and loving others. A life with God is about being mindful of Him and being mindful of others, which means we give of yourselves. We give of ourselves to God and we give of ourselves to others. In another instance, Jesus said this, John chapter 15, verses 12 through 14, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. He actually said this right before he, got, he was crucified. Great love has, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. So he shares the commandment. What is the commandment? To love one another. This is my commandment to you. To love one another. Being generous to God and being generous to others is a mark of someone who follows the way of Christ. It is a mark of somebody who follows the way of Christ. And maybe you're here today and you're still on the fence. Maybe you're not a Christian. If you hear the word Christian nowadays, it just can mean so many things. And, and we, like, we like the idea of following the way of Christ, right? Following the way of Jesus. And if you're interested in it or you're thinking about it, we need to know that generosity is at the center of it. This is another thing that Jesus said, Matthew chapter 5, verse 42. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who will borrow from you. God is so serious about generosity. I'm going to share another scripture. Jesus taught this, Luke uh, chapter 6, verses 37 and 38. Judge not, and you will not be judged. 
We all love this one. <clears throat> Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. If you've been to church uh, for a while, if you've been in church for a while, you've probably heard the second part of the, of the, of the passage being spoken during the offering, right? And there, there was an old song by Ron Canoli, Give, and it will come back to you. Good night, taking together. Okay, I'm just reliving my teenage days. Riding over. And and so this passage has has been applied mostly in a singular way. And it applies, but Jesus is talking about who you are, because it's all one thing. You know, he's talking about who you are. Is your actions will follow who you are, right? And, and whatever you do will come back to you. So if you judge somebody, you better have your life in order. Because if you judge somebody, guess what? You're going to be judged. If you condemn somebody, you better be living above reproach, man. Because if you condemn other people, you're going to be condemned yourself by your own mistakes. So be generous. Forgive freely, and you will be forgiven. Give freely, and it will be given to you. Why? Because whatever you do to others will be done to you. That's what Jesus is saying. So share those French fries. Share the remote control. Let people win in front of you in traffic. This one is not guaranteed that it will come back to you. Okay? I've tried it. Uh, just, just, it's just one of those that you give away without expectation, you know? <laughs> Listen, it's not hard to see that generosity flows from love. And it's not hard to see that stinginess flows, flows from selfishness. And those who love, they give. Because charity, charity is love in action. Now, there's one area... If you go deeper into this, there's one area that the Scripture gives particular attention to, and we're reminded again and again to guard our hearts against. And that's the area of greed, love of money. In Luke 10, uh, Jesus, Luke 16, Jesus shares a Scripture. But in Luke alone, Jesus, shares, uh, Jesus teaches about money specifically ten times. And so let's look into it because it's important for our hearts. Luke 16, verse 10 says this. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. Notice it's about the heart. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, he's talking about money, who will entrust you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, if I, if I had a highlighter, I would underline that one last sentence right there, because it's very important. This is a major statement that Jesus is making. You cannot serve God and money. You can't get that from culture. You can't get that from our, our, our 
or era. Jesus is saying you, can, you can't love money and fulfill the two most important commandments. To love God and to love people. You can't do that at the same time. And he's not saying that, that you can't do it because you're not allowed to. Jesus is not saying, I, I, don't, I, I forbid you. That's not what he's saying. This stark statement that is so definitive that Jesus is making, he's saying you are not able to because the two are opposites. It's left and right. It's up and down. It's hot and cold. It's yes or no. It's the rest of only works in Katy, Katy Perry songs, okay? It doesn't work in real life. But if you don't know Katy, Katy Perry, she's an old school singer that used to be on the charts when you guys were little kids. Things move by so fast nowadays, right? Like there's probably, I don't know if our daughters know who she is. Anyways. If you're watching, sorry, Katie. (laughs) Now, this is what this tells me, that you can either live for God or you can live for money. You can't do both. You can live for God, which means to live generously, or you can live for money, which means living for yourself, living stingily, stingily. Is there any other conclusion that you can get from this passage? Is there any other conclusion, if you really give thought to it, to this stark contrast that Jesus is making, other than this? I invite you to think about this because it's important. It'll determine many of our actions. The stark contrast between the kind of life that loves God and what that means in action. What does that mean when you love God? What does that mean when you love others? What, how are you going to make decisions? How are you going to live your life if that's your parameter? Versus how are you going to live your life if what you love is money? If all you think about is money? If that's constantly in your mind? How is that going to orient your steps and how you spend your time and who you give of yourself to? If you begin to think about that, if you begin to really think about this, you realize that what Jesus said is true. And it's been true for 2,000 years since he said it and since it's been recorded. And the reason why these scriptures have, have endured is not because of a bunch of religious fanatics. It's because it's true. It's because it, it's been proven through the test of time. We can't serve God and money. You can't be generous and be greedy. And make no mistake about it. These two forces are fighting constantly against each other in your heart. We all go through it. There's not a single person in this system, in this world that doesn't. And we've been fighting for it for 2,000 years. There's another passage where Jesus talks about these two paths. I'm sorry, where the Apostle Paul talks about these two paths. And... It's found in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 2. My intention is in the next few minutes to make the case of why generosity is important and why that's the way that we should take, even though it might be self-evident for you. Teach and urge these things. If, you, if anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. 
Paul is not sending any messages here. He's just telling it like it is. He is an unhealthy, uh, he has an un- unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means for gain. So we're going to continue, but I just want to pause right here because Paul is basically describing the heart of somebody who is seeking God but still attached to greed. And if you think about this scripture and you apply to today, I mean, how much of this do we see today? It's like everywhere you turn, there's unhealthy controversy that's trying to pull you in, isn't it? You know, talking about the word Christian, you think about the word Christian today, it's, it's, it's been appropriated by so many corners, especially the, on the political realm. It's, it's associated with things that it makes us all cringe. Sometimes I read a headline, and I'm like, no, I don't want to be associated with that. That's not what Christian is. That's not what the way of Christ is. But it's, it's gained its own life in our culture. Why? Because of this. And it's been happening for a long time. It's nothing new. It was happening in the days of Paul. Jesus is already gone. He's ascended. Paul is leading a church as he's saying, listen, there are people who are appropriating the way of Christ and they are teaching something, some other way to live. And they're saying that that's Christianity, but that's not true. What they're doing is they're thinking that the way of godliness is a way for gain, for financial gain, like they're greedy. And they're distorting what Jesus actually came to preach, the true gospel. They have selfish interests. Why did that happen? It's because their heart was in the wrong place. That's why we need to pay attention to it, because it can affect everything, even how we pray. It can affect our petitions. It can affect our focus. It can affect our priorities. Generosity is much bigger than putting a dollar in the Salvation Army bucket. It's much bigger than that. Cain did it. This happened to Cain. Gehazi had his heart in the wrong place. This is for the Bible buffs out there. Elisha's, uh, Elisha's disciple. Judas did it. Sold his relationship with Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And many in our generation have done it. And it never ends well for the person who attaches themselves to the love of money. That's what Paul said, because they are depraved and they are deprived of the truth. So he continues, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing in the world, and we can take nothing out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. Now watch, watch what he says. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. It's a stark warning. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. And then he says, as for you, talking to all of us, man and woman of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Pursue the highest things. 
Now let me make an important observation here because it's important for us to know the distinction. He is not saying that it's evil to be rich. This is not what he's saying. He's not saying that money is evil. Scripture never says that. What he's warning against is a temptation in the heart. Because if we, if, we, if we apply this to the thing, we minimize the effect of what God is actually saying. Money is nothing. Money is a tool. Wealth is a tool. What, what ruins us is the lust for it and what we imagine to do with it. Is our desire for it and what we're willing to sacrifice. What we're willing to compromise. Who we're willing to betray. That is the thing that he's warning us against. What we do with it reveals who you are. It reveals your heart, right? Scripture says that where your treasure is, there is your heart. So let me ask you again, what are you living for? In light of this, what are you living for? Are you living to love others? Are you living open-handedly? Or are you holding back in fear? Because you're afraid that you might lose it all. That you're afraid that you might not make it. So you're holding on. Sometimes the desire is not evil in itself. It can come from preservation, protection, survival. And I believe God wants to free us from all of that. Some of you are you're praying for breakthrough. And maybe that's why you're here. You need something to help you. Maybe you're not even a Jesus follower. But you just need something in your life, man. And you heard about the church. And you heard about something that, 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 that somebody told you about, you know, this place. And you came because you need a breakthrough. You need a career breakthrough. You need a breakthrough in your studies. You need a breakthrough in your relationship. And you think that if I get that, if I, if I hit that next step, if, if, I, if I take that next step and I succeed, then I'll be okay. Then I'll have arrived. Then I'll be content. All I need is the next level. And I want you to consider generosity. What if that's not the level? What if that's not, that's not what God is calling you to do? What if what God is calling you to do is to look around, look outside yourself, look outside your, your person, and, and look at what you have in your hands and, and look for opportunities to bless others? What if being generous is, is what's going to bring your life meaning? What if it's helping others with your resources, your gifts, your time, and especially, especially with your money? So I want to share really quickly three marks of a generous person. And I'm going to, I'm going to try to go through them as fast as I can, because I can take a long time in these. <laughs> I'm try not to. Here are three marks of a generous person, okay? The first one is this. A generous person understands that he or she is a steward. Now, you know what a steward is, right? A steward is somebody who understands that what, what they have been given is not really theirs. They're not the source of what they've been given. And none of us are the source of what we have. And the question is, do you live as though everything you have comes from God? Do you have that conviction and that notion in your heart? And that's what it means to be a steward. is to be aware that you're really a custodian. It's that person that believes in God, that, that loves God and understands that everything comes from God. If you have a job, you do so because your talents come from God. If you have the strength to earn a living, maybe you have a company of your own, you do so because God has given you the breath in your lungs, the capacity, the, the energy. If you have a woman to hold and to love, it's because God has blinded her <laughs> to think that you're good looking. 
I kid, you're all good looking. Either that or God has fooled me too. But I do believe you're good looking. <laughs> Think about this. Everything comes from God. Like you didn't pick your gender. You didn't pick your sex. You didn't pick your race. You didn't pick your height. You didn't pick the things that you're good at. You didn't pick your talents. You didn't pick your eye color. You didn't pick your blood type. And until L'Oreal came along, you didn't even pick your hair color. Now you can, right? We're grateful for that. What you do have within is the power to respond. You've been given all these talents and all this ability, and you're beautiful and wonderfully made, and God has given you abilities to change the world. That's your power. What you have is, your po is the power to, to do something with it, to develop it, to change the world with it. Now, you can fall into the temptation of selfishness and greed and become so self-involved that all you think about is yourself and your body and your desire and your life and your wishes. And that can become a mess. Because you can find a ton of problems if all you do is look within. Or you can realize that God has given you so much. And you can take that and you can build a family with it. You can take that and you can love others. You can take that and you can bless your parents, your siblings, your friends. You can take that and you can make the world better. You can, you can take that and you can bless your kids, your spouse. You can take that and use it generous, generously to change the world. What if we understood that that's our life, that our life is God's? What if we understood that you are not a mistake, that we are not a mistake? I hope you understand that today. You were not a mistake. You may have made mistakes, but you are not a mistake. Your, your existence is, is not wrong. Your existence is right. You may have done wrong things, but your existence is perfect. God meant for you to exist today, and you have a purpose. Even though you might have felt purposeless, you have a purpose to fulfill in this earth. And when you understand that, that who you are and what you have is God's, and that you exist for a purpose. Then there's only one question to ask. And that is, God, what do you want me to do with it? What do you want me to do with what you have given me? And that's the heart of a steward. God, what do you want me to do with what you have given me? And you have talents you don't even know you have. And if you pray that sincerely, the Lord will take you to steps and places to develop that. Set number two, a generous person actively looks for opportunities to give. Now that you know you're a steward, now that you know that God has given you all these talents and abilities to change the world, you're always looking for opportunities to give. You're always looking for people to bless. Because it's really, remember, it's not about what you have. This is about who you are. And you're generous. Therefore, you look for opportunities to give. When you know that you're a good steward, that's what you do. You give generously. And to give generously means you give without an agenda. There's no ulterior motive. There's no self-interest. We can all give to people that are going to return to us, right? We can all give to people that we know they're going to be good to us. They're going to reward us with kindness. So we treat them nicely. We give them gifts. 
But the generous is looking for opportunities to make a difference where he will not be rewarded. She will not be rewarded. Where the reward will come from the Lord. Where you give to others, you bless others, and you say, God, I'm doing this unto you. I'm doing this to honor you. Because you have placed me on this earth to be an agent of blessing to others. So I'm going to do this before you. I don't, I, if they receive it, if they don't receive it, if they're grateful, if they're not grateful. If I open the door and they don't say thank you. I'm going to do it for you, big and small things. See, whether you're being faithful in little or whether you're being faithful over much, Jesus said, as Jesus said, we're not giving with strings attached. We're giving to God because God wants to bless someone through us. See, Eleni and I, we try to practice this. We, and since we got married, like this is something that we've always tried to practice together. It's an agreement that we have. So, you know, from buying dinners to people when, you know, we were just married to babysitting for couples when they needed a night out or maybe a weekend out, right? Just using what we had to bless others and, and using our resources. And what happens is that you try to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, right? God will speak to you. He'll just drop something in your heart and he'll say, hey, I want you to do this. I remember when we were living in Houston, a a couple of pastors came. They were, uh, they were actually a couple, a husband and a wife. And they were, in, they were brought in from out of the country. And they arrived here with nothing but suitcases. And uh, at the time, you know, Alini and I, we, we, didn't have a, we, lived in, we didn't have a lot of it. But we felt God say, hey, I want you to let them have your car and have your phone until they get settled. We had two cars and two phones, and we we're like, we can live with one car and a phone. It's fine. So we did that, and we, we let them have it. And, and it took some months for them to get their affairs in order. And, and, but that was a small test. That was like just God you know, speaking to us. Is this what you have really mine? Right? A few years later here in Connecticut, I was praying in my car, a car that I really liked, and driving to an appointment, and I remember uh, the, the still small voice, not out loud, just out down in here, the, the voice of God just speaking in my spirit and saying, hey, is everything that you have mine? And I said, yeah, Lord, everything, everything is yours. And the little voice said, is, is this car mine? It's like, yes. You, you gave it to us, and, and yeah, my car is yours, Lord, and it's like, all right, I want you to give this car away to somebody, um, one of my children. Now, that was a bigger test, and the temptation was to look at my life, to look at my ability. And the reality is that at the time, we weren't, like, in a position to give anything away. But I had to get out of my shell and understand that that was an opportunity to bless somebody, that God was trying to use what I had, which is not really mine, but he was trying to bless somebody else. So... It wasn't about me. And in a moment, I was like, okay. So we, we gave it to one of, the, one of the young men in our church who was still in college. And just, just that's what God led us to do. This was years ago. And I'm not sharing this to brag on, on ourselves. I'm just sharing this to tell you that we speak from experience. Like, it, it, sometimes it's comfortable and uh, uncomfortable. And God will, God will ask you to do things that it's out of the ordinary. It's going to seem crazy. He's going to go like, what? But this is, I need this. Like, this is mine. And if, if you take the step and you pass the test, you'll be amazed 
not only at the satisfaction and, and what God is going to do with that for the other person, but the fact that when you give away because you're being obedient to God, He's never going to let you lack. He's never going to let you lack. And we never, we've never lacked. And maybe God is not going to ask you to give away your car, but He may ask you to pay somebody's bill. He may. He may ask you to buy somebody's groceries. He may ask you to solve someone's problem. And for that, you're going to have to be interested in their lives. You're going to have to ask questions and actually care. So a generous person is always looking for opportunities to give. If God does that, don't ignore that voice. Because this is what happens sometimes. We sense it in our spirit and God is trying to use us to bless somebody. But we consider it, oh, this is just... A wish that I have for the time when I get to the place and the position that I I'm, that I'm, will be okay to give, then that's when I'm going to give. But right now, I just can't do it. So, so we can chuck it out as just a wish to do someday. And when, when actually, God is, might be challenging you. Now, be wise about this, right? But if you pray the simple prayer and say, God, on your word, I will give this. And trusting that he will supply your needs. That prayer with a sincere heart has never failed. Never fail. Now, number three, I'm going to go quick through this one, and then we're going to end. A generous person is a kingdom builder. So not only do you look for opportunities to give, not only do you understand that you're a steward, but you understand that everything comes from God, and it's important to build God's kingdom here on the earth. Now, I'm going to share a piece of scripture with you. It's biblical. It's Bible, okay? It's in the scripture. But this is like, if this is your first time here, come back next week. Don't be turned off by this, okay? Okay? <laughs> this is just my, uh, I'm being, this is my insecurity as a pastor, just saying, hey, <laughs> just flow with me here. No, it's a great scripture. It's a challenging scripture. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 and 11 says this, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you that, uh, so that it will so not destroy the fruits of your soil, and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Now, this is one of those passages that make people skeptical of church because, you know, it's been misused and abused. But this scripture is so clear that what God is trying to do, He's trying to detach our hearts from the love of money, so that He can do things for us, so that He can bless us, so that He can rebuke the devourer for us, so that He can make sure that our heart is His. And I used to, I used, this used to be challenging for me. That's why I kind of pre prefaced it, because it used to be challenging for me to share in scriptures like this, because I'm, I'm like, God, I, I don't want us to be that kind of church that's attached to that stuff. In other words, I don't want people's relationship with God to be about money. That was my thought. And then I had a revelation. And God spoke to me. See? Tithing, building God's kingdom, doesn't make your relationship with God about money. It does the opposite. It makes your relationship with money about God. That's what it does. And we need to make our relationship with money about God. Because if our relationship with money is about money, that's when, that's when things get hard, man. That's when things get all messed up. But if our relationship with money is about God, then not only 
if, as you see in the scripture, you'll make sure that you will never lack. You'll make sure that your seedbed, this is an agrarian community, right? An agrarian society. That, that, that the fruit that you, the seeds that you plant will never fail to bear fruit. In other words, he's going to make sure that the labor of your hands will never fail to produce what it needs to produce so you can have a prosperous life. And this is not prosperity preaching. This is just scripture. God being faithful. It's a matter of the heart. And that's what he has done for us. Again, we don't brag about it, but we're tithers. We tithe all of our lives since we got married, since I was single. 10% of our income goes to the church. And sometimes it's easier for us to understand that we will tip 20% of a, of a restaurant bill, but it's harder for us to understand the 10% that God is talking about. And it, for some of you, don't think about the percentage, okay? Just think about the relationship with God and, and, and using your resources to build the kingdom. See, it's more obvious to give gratuity to somebody because we think, man, they did a service and I've got to be grateful and I'm giving them uh, uh, this. But it's not so obvious sometimes for us to think about that the God that gives us life, that breathes, has breathed his life into us, that has given us the opportunity to work and produce, that he can receive anything financial from us. Because you can think, well, whatever money I give to the server or the person who produces or, or works for me, they're going to take that money and receive it. How can God receive what I give? And the reality is that what he receives is the same thing that somebody who receives a thank you from you receives. He receives your gratitude. He receives your praise. He receives your heart for him. He receives your devotion to him and your trust that he is your provider. Just like the person that you that you tip or that you, you give a gratuity, they receive your gratitude. They receive your recognition that they've done a good job. Now, the money is going to go to the bank. The money is going to pay a bill. The money is going to do what the money is supposed to do, right? And here at the church, the money is going to do the same thing. It's going to pay for our rent here. It's going it's to uh, support the mission work that we do. It's going to do projects like the Malta House and people that we're supporting in this church. Right now, there's multiple families that we're supporting that they've been affected by COVID, and we do that. We have a big vision as a church. We help other people. This year alone, we've given over $16,000, even through the pandemic. And we're a small church, but we practice what we preach. We give because God has called us to give, and he has always supplied to this church, always. And we help people within this, this, this church community. You will never see their picture on the screen. You will never hear the stories that we've given for their dignity and for the fact that God has using his resources from this church to bless people in this church. It's God's credit. It's not our credit. So we're never going to show you a story of that. That's just the way we choose to lead. So your money is going to go to that. But your devotion, that's the most important part. It's what your heart, a posture of your heart, and what your heart is saying to God. Last scripture, Proverbs eleven twenty four, 24, and the worship team can come. It says this, one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers one. This is not just about giving to the church. It's about being generous as a person. And I, I don't, I can't explain it to you. I can't, I can't give you the ins and outs of how it happens. It's, this is just one of those things that 
I see it again and again in people's lives. And I watch our reports. I see people who give generously. I see people who are faithful. I see people who give. And, I, and what I love is this, is the consistency of people who choose to live generously. And their giving keeps increasing because God takes care of them. That means that their needs are being met. And I, I can't explain to you how that happens. It's happened for me, for our lives. It's happened for people in this community. And I believe that that's the way God wants us to live. Not because he wants something from you, but because he wants you to live detached from the ugliness of greed and the love of money and what that can do to your heart. He just wants you to be set free from the worry and to, and to set your eyes to him and say, God, my life is yours. Because ultimately, it's about his people. Ultimately, that's what it's about. That's why we're here. That's why we're here, so we can build each other's lives, so we can connect each other, so we can bless each other, and so we can go out of here and from Monday to Friday be a light into the world and bring his life into the world. That's why we do what we do. So why not serve him with everything that we have? Why not give him it all? And I believe if you do that, if you choose to live generously, God will take you to places you've never dreamed of. Do you receive it this morning? Amen.